former Raider, current Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins us at the bottom of the hour. Chris Landry, one hour from now, his weekly visit to LandryFootball.com. Game night's coming your way at 5.30. Jason Ross here on this Thanksgiving Eve. We hope everybody is uh, safe and sound and driving carefully. If you're going to your whatever your Thanksgiving destination may be, and uh, enjoy your day, enjoy your time, enjoy your loved ones, your friends, Friendsgiving, whatever it may be, uh, enjoy that if you get your opportunity to do that. Uh, because we've we've been apart for a long time, and we know it's still a world that's divided. We get it, and you can be divided even in your own family. But um, try to enjoy yourself and uh, have a good time if you can. Uh, tonight we're going to try to enjoy ourselves and watch uh, the Kings tonight, but it hasn't been enjoyable. There's no other way to say it. It's been frustrating. And, you know, I do have people that – in full candor, will come up and say, man, how do you do it? How do you watch this team for 15 years and all the losing? Well, it's, one, I have no say in it. Two, um, I find myself, I still love it. I still uh, enjoy it. I can even go back to last game, a game that really is a disappointing loss, right? When Philly has five starters out, Kings are going through a coaching change, and you want to see something different, and instead you get more of the same but I find myself in the game here right next to G-Man and there'll be a play or a highlight and I'm fist pumping or I like, I was like, oh man, that's, you know, you, you see some amazing stuff and it's always better when it's on the positive side for the entire game, but still love the sport, love the uh, entirety of it when the crowd get into it. Um, and you might see something great from the other side, but hopefully it's from the Kings and I don't know. It's, it's really, it, I would say it's not, it's not as much fun. There's no way around that to, to say that when they lose all the time. But it's still still look forward to coming to the games. It's still even when the intro start and the music goes or Fresh gets them going to start the fourth quarter. I just love those moments, and you hope you're going to see something fantastic. And, again, for the Kings, it doesn't even have to be fantastic. It just has to be a redirect and start going in a direction that uh, that they once were in earlier this year, and right now it's just gone so bad and so poorly for them in the last nine. So they're 1-8. and eight. Uh, tonight it's Portland, and what are the players thinking about this? I think Tristan Thompson has kind of turned into the central figure that is speaking on behalf of this team. And you know, ideally, it this the the passion that he talks about and the certainty that he knows he knows what it takes to win a championship. But he's been around an organization that's done that and been through it, and I think what he can provide is helpful. But it's also harder when it's a player that doesn't play every game or is your eighth ninth man and that's not to belittle his talent but it would be beautiful if it was De'Aaron saying that or Harrison Barnes or you know Holmes Halliburton I think talks quite a bit but just someone that plays a lot of minutes and you know De'Aaron I always look at the face of the franchise which he is right now um, I think there's no coincidence in Phoenix like Chris Paul is the most vocal player and has all that experience and everywhere he's gone he's won Um, you know, Dame is the centerpiece and and the most vocal person on the Blazer team. Uh, Go down the line. It's Embiid. It's uh, LeBron. It's when it's your best player that kind of has that alpha personality. It can be tough to play with that player, but also they hopefully get the best out of themselves and the rest of the squad. And the Kings aren't getting the best out of themselves, out of him, out of a lot of the players right now. But Tristan Thompson uh, is very vocal. He will speak up, and let's hear from him where he talks about how uh, at this point he thinks they need to challenge one another. We just got to have that fight. And and if, you know, if it's not coming from, you know, the starters, bench come in, got to get that energy, we got to challenge each other. Same way we did in training camp, how, 
you know, the second unit was going at the first unit and we were getting into it and developing that swagger. So we, we need that. We need that grit. We need that fight. We need that FU mentality. Got away with a fine last interview, so I'm a, I'm a. Well, this is a situation, too, where there's some of that. I mean, again, I agree with a lot of that. It's who will be the one to get them going. You, you want it to be from the get-go, from the starting unit. Um, we, we've recited that Toronto game a lot here, and it's not that long ago. But that was after that disappointing road trip, which, what, was a week ago, right? Yeah, they finished in Minnesota last week, one week today. Came home. Thompson had that just legendary post-game rant that, you know, you don't get a lot. And it was very honest and forward and uh, passion behind it and agreed with a lot of it. And their next opportunity was here at home against Toronto. And you could see it. You could see that energy and passion and fire. And then it just disappeared. It disappeared after Toronto punched back. And then to lose by 30, you just can't have that happen or down by 30. So the, the constant challenge of, of one another of trying to uh, get the best out of one another and just to try to to swing the confidence. And confidence in sports is really important, momentum, however you want to word it all. And right now it just feels like I'm sure to us and any of you that have watched or listened or come to the games, you wonder, well, how are they ever going to win again? You know, you couldn't win on that road trip, and then you come home and you lose all these games. You lose to Philly without five starters. Who are they going to beat? It, it seems impossible right now. It does. But it's not. It just feels like it. And until you, and that's what Alvin Gentry said in our last segment, they've got to see a win come in. And you need to turn one into two. And I'm not expecting an eight-game win streak. But can you get in a stretch where they go three and two? That doesn't. Does that sound crazy? It might on schedule, and it does on the way they're playing. But then the next out of the next ten, is it another three and two? Or maybe you sneak in a four and one there. And so that totality, now all of a sudden you're looking at, hey, they're actually 7-3. and three. Okay, well, now you're chipping away at it. But uh, the schedule's more difficult. The teams they're playing coming up are, are better record-wise than the Kings. So it's more difficult to do it that way. But that's the spot they've put themselves in based on the opportunities of missing out on so many other winnable-type games uh, here recently. All right, more from Tristan Thompson talking about um, – his, his, in his mind, where the improvement needs to come from. I'm a big believer in, um, you know, everything from the top to the bottom has to be on the same page and have understanding. I think that's the only way you could build something special, and I've, and I've experienced that, where if, if, if there's loose ends anywhere, if anyone's cutting corners and, and hiding behind it, not doing their job or cutting or slacking, you're going to see it. It's like building a home, you know. If you don't put that steel right or you don't put that roofing right, when that, when that rainy day comes, your house is, you know, effed up. So it's everyone. Everyone's got to be better. Everyone's got to look in the mirror. Everyone's got to get a reality check. He's right. I mean, the analogies, however you want to word this, but the cutting corners, I think it's a good one. You, the attention to detail has to be there. They have to be good at all those details, all of them. You can't have slippage anywhere. And, in, and I think slippage is different than um, – maybe an area where you're not as good at. I, like this team, I don't think is going to be great at rebounding. But you don't want it to be a day where you're just dominated there. So if you do play small, which at times I think that's been their better look, better look offensively, well, can your guards rebound better? Can the, the big that's out there rebound better? Early on, remember when they were playing small a lot, Harrison Barnes was getting 10, 12 rebounds a night. 
Well, when they play bigger, he doesn't get as many, and that's fine as long as Len is getting him or Thompson's getting him or Holmes or whoever else is out there. But that doesn't mean Tyrese can't grab five or Buddy or Fox or whoever the, the guards that are out there. So it's, it is the attention to details. You can't cut corners. It shouldn't be easy, and um, it was prettier and, and easier for this team early on. But right now, uh, whether it was from having the camp and having the practice time and the confidence of a really good uh, preseason – and the continuity, which is what I keep saying, and that I thought would be a big difference for this team, but now that continuity just feels like it's it's all shattered. And the reality of all of it is the players have to know this, that the coach falls on the knife. Well, the first one has, and that was Luke Walton. And so more and more people now are talking about the players, the roster, the, the way it's constructed, and Alvin Gentry, I mean, it's not that he's going to, you know, whatever the phrasing is, playing with house money, because I don't know if this is a job that's going to be for him for a long time, but it could be if they turn it around. If it's not, they're going to look on to another coach, but they also might be looking at different players and even other moves all the way across the board for this organization. So there's a lot of things at play here that suggest that they better get it right before it, uh, it gets even worse and there's more casualties and maybe that's in the long run is what needs to happen but this season still is in play Monty McNair was at the podium the other day in his press conference said we still believe we can reach our goals which is making the postseason again factually he's right what are they how are they going to do it how are they going to get there and I maintain I don't want it to be out of a process of elimination just because the bottom five ends up being so bad that they get there as the 10th team this team should earn it they should look like a team. Uh, it should be closer to a 500 team to get there. Right now, they're six below. That's a long way to go. It, it may not seem like much. It's a long way to go. And you could play better basketball and still have a 10-game stretch where you go four and six, but look better where you're losing ground and losing games. And you're the team that's changed the coach. So you, you've been shocked a little bit to the system. You're not going to get a, a week off to get a, a bunch of practice time to get everybody together and say, okay, this is what we want to do under Alvin Gentry. That coaching staff put together the philosophy together. So they have to go at it this way and make subtle tweaks along the way and uh, figure out a way to sort through this. And tonight, again, it's less about Portland to me. You've got to be scheme and game plan ready for everything they do. They've got to fix their own house and get it in order and get it in order as quickly as possible because after this, We've gone over the schedule before, but Lakers, Memphis, uh, you got Clippers a couple times, Lakers again. It's, you know, if you go up and down the league, it's not that easy. And the Kings, again, had what we said was probably on paper one of the easiest road trips we've seen in a long time. And they spoiled that and went one and three. So this team's in a bad way now. Uh, We'll see what they have going tonight. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what we can expect from the Kings and the Blazers and looking at Dame and CJ and, and their oddity of how great they've been at home yet how bad they've been on the road. So we'll discuss that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Thanksgiving Eve. Jason Ross here from Golden One Center. As it's Kings basketball tonight, uh, hopefully everybody's getting ready for their feast tomorrow. 
Uh, Chris, do you guys, uh, when you have your Thanksgiving, is it a uh, kind of a one-meal deal, or is it spread it out through the day, late-night turkey sandwich? What do you guys got going there? It's usually one meal and then pick at it afterwards. Yeah. Um, are you, where are you on the turkey? I, I, I maintain the turkey's the most overrated part, though I like it. Um, I just I crush all the sides. Uh, I like fried turkey. Yes, as long as it's fried. Yeah, it's, it's got to be done right. It's got a good moisture. I saw. I think I was looking at something today, where I still think, believe it or not, I think in California they say the number one, like on a poll, the number one side for Thanksgiving is rolls. I mean, I like it. I eat bread, but that's. I don't even really consider that? that a side. What would it be? I don't. Well, you get it when you go to like a restaurant. You get it for free. Yeah. Which so is I mean. Great. It's almost like it's like pepper or butter. You, uh, <laughs> you eat. Uh, where are you on uh, the one that seems to divide people is green bean casserole. I've never had green bean casserole. Okay, I'm I'm pro green bean casserole. Know uh, what I have? I always thought were bad, but as I've gotten older and my tastes have evolved, I really like huh. is uh, Brussels sprouts. Ooh, I, that one I haven't. I like vegetables. That one. I know you can, uh, you know, like pan fried jazz jazz them up. Yeah, and that's probably the better version. That one I don't know, but I haven't I haven't warmed up to that one. Um, the oddity one for me, I would say, is as a kid, I remember having, you know, that it looked like the shape of the can cranberry sauce, and um, I actually only like that one. I don't eat it, but then there's like the real legit, like someone will make a cranberry sauce, but nah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I bypass on that one. Too tart. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, um, it seems to be pumpkin pie is the most popular pecan, sweet potato. I don't know. Um, you, you have any of those that are, I'm a fan of the cheesecake pumpkin pie. Oh, I saw one and maybe you can look this up, Chris. I saw it yesterday. I want to say the pickle and cranberry pie, Utah. What is that? I mean, what's, you know what? Maybe the two flavors together might work, but I'm not, Mm. But it's a pie, yeah. It's like pic- uh, circled, like pickles cut up on the top of a. Was it cranberry? I thought it was might be another. Fr- well, either way, it just it looked weird. I think they're pranking us. You think so? Yeah. It was. I think it was a Utah thing. But two Utes, two Utes eating a uh, pickle and cranberry pie. Woof. No thanks. No thanks. Um, tonight it's tonight. Would it's you tonight. try it? Uh, yes, I would try. I mean, I'm pretty much would try anything, um, but I don't think I'd like it. Would you try it? I I mean, I tried anything once. Yeah, except for the hot chip for me that you desperately want. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to get you to eat that. Wanted me and or Doug to do. Who has a better chance of trying the hot chip, me or Doug? Doug? Doug was pretty adamant against it, though. I would say Doug. Okay. I just have a genuine fear that I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it through. It'd be my last my last thing done on this earth. The hot chip would end me. So, uh, still- what time do you usually start eating uh, for Thanksgiving? Um, two, one, two? two, somewhere in there. Why is that? I don't know. Yeah, you never eat dinner any other time like that. But I think it's because to to have that second maybe opportunity. I don't know. We generally, like I said, in this where I got my uh, married into Southern Creole, that kind of. And we have gumbo to start, and that's just, oh, it's the best, absolute best, right around one or two uh, with some rolls. And um, and then a little football or some sort of activity to, to work that off, and then probably, it's only like probably like four, 
that we go in again, and then, yeah, it's all the other stuff. So around one or two, if nothing's out, what are you saying? Where's the gumbo? Oh. No. Um, I know it's always being worked on. I I got patience. How about you? I I would say, where's the food, dude? (laughs) I know you would. I should have I should have remembered that. I should have remembered that. All right, tonight it will be the Kings and the Blazers uh trying to figure out this Portland team and their struggles here on the road, right? Here they go. They figured out uh to get back over 500. They're 10 and 8, but just 1 and 7 on the road and that road schedule of road wins uh it was a victory against Houston who has one win overall. So, you know, Denver's played some good teams on the road, but the fact, or excuse me, Portland's played some good things on the road, but the fact that they have just that one road win is surprising to me. They've lost um, at the Clippers, at Charlotte, at Philly, at Cleveland, um, at the Clippers again, at Phoenix, and at Denver. That one road win came at Houston, and um, but with all that said, a lineup that has Covington and Powell, Nurkic, and then the backcourt. That's it. It's the backcourt. And Dame has had some monster games against everybody, against the Kings, in this building. And I'm sure he's going to see Davion Mitchell. He's going to see Fox. Uh, Fox, you know, picking and choosing uh, to defend, I think, at times has been a bother to me. Uh, I thought the other night Maxie really worked him when they needed it most. And uh, Philly, I'm speaking of. So Maxie was really a problem. Dame uh, had a really bad shooting night against the Kings the first time. And I wouldn't expect that to happen again. So it's going to be important to control that backcourt and see if also, by the way, I think running tonight would help get De'Aaron going, help get this offense going, and Portland played last night. There are more things in favor of the Kings as far as just the the setup. Now, the Kings are broken right now, but um, structure-wise, schedule-wise, tonight favors the Kings in more ways than one. Being at home and being that Portland's on the second night of a back-to-back, that's about it. Portland's playing better than the Kings and uh, we'll remember that first game that the Kings got them, and Portland would love to keep this thing rolling and get themselves a little cushion and get to three games above 500 and keep the Kings kind of uh, going in that wrong direction. So we've got more on this coming up. Of course, game night's coming your way at 5.30. When we come back, we're going to get our chat with Lincoln Kennedy. Always love to catch up with him, our weekly visit, and also coming up at 5, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Much more as we continue on this Thanksgiving Eve right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Every day I stay the same, looking like I'm going to a Raider game. No, I'm not the only one. We've been doing it like this. We love it each and every week, talking with Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider, current Raider analyst. Uh, The guy's everywhere. He does college football as well, and we're glad that he's back here with us on the show. Lincoln, I wish we were talking about more Raider success right now, Um, but you guys are heading to Dallas for Thanksgiving. You had a Thanksgiving day in your career, a game in your career? off with a good one um <laughs> i think i think i did but it wasn't with the raiders i think it was with the falcons i think we played the lions one day on thanksgiving Ooh. as 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 a falcon um and and the reason why i kind of bring that up is because i, I think that was the day that barry sanders ran wild on our defense so mm. i think it was one of the thanksgiving games that they won back in the day yeah <laughs> well but i'm not really sure but you no know, no didn't have a whole lot of them covered actually covered more 
Thanksgiving games because I know that there was a, a, a few years ago when I was broadcasting with the Raiders from the sideline that we did a Thanksgiving Day game in Jerry's world. And the only reason I remember that is Mary J. Blige is one of my absolute favorite artists, and she was absolutely beautiful on the sideline. She sang the National Anthem or something. So I saw her from up close, and I was just in awe. So I was like a deer in headlights yeah. with my tongue hanging out. So anyways, yeah, that, <laughs> I think that was the last time that, I, that we had a Thanksgiving game. But, yeah, yeah, I wish it was happier times. I wish it was happier for the Pac-12 collectively because they won't be part of the college football playoff now now that yeah. Oregon dropped it. Um, as well as the Raiders and, and their three-game slide. Um, and you know what? I, I, I'm just going to put it out there, Jason, because I've never said this in all my times of covering the Raiders because they've had Derek Carr at quarterback, but I think they need to make a change. I, I, I really do. I think they need to create a spark or a difference just to see if, if something's different. And, and they've got Marcus Mariota, former first-round pick um, in, in the draft, and – and, and they've, they've yet to use, use them, really. Uh, the times that he's supposed to come in, the, the, the offensive linemen, the dummies, jumped off sides and created penalties, pre-snap penalties. And, um, but they have yet to really showcase what he can do. And I, I just think they, they, need a, they need a change up. It's too predictable. Wow. Interesting. And, and, you know, all the times I've talked to you, I know you're a big fan of Carr and you think he's – so it's yeah. less about his talent. It's, hey, something just to try something different, a different look. You need, a, you need to create a spark because if you saw, especially in that Cincinnati game, there were times where they had a spark, but they couldn't sustain it or they couldn't capitalize on it. Um, I know the, the the drive where they got their, their long touchdown, they went down the field in like three plays or whatever. But still, Carr has sort of uh, – what's the best way to put it in, in layman's terms? He's, he's eyeballing his primary receiver. And when his primary receiver is not open, he throws a check down. That's what he's been doing the last couple of games. That's what I've noticed. Now, I say that to, to say this. There's, there's no harm in eyeballing guys like Darren Waller and stuff like that, but you really have to go through a progression because teams are noticeably going to try to take your primary receivers away. They know in situations that it's either Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro, and there's other times, like in the one where he threw to Foster Moreau, it was a matchup situation, which he took full advantage of. That's what you're supposed to do. You've got a linebacker covering your tight end, and your tight end is a pretty gifted receiver, so you put the ball in a position where your, your, your guy can make a play. That's what you're supposed to do. But there have been other times where he doesn't want to go through the progression because he's too afraid of getting hit. He doesn't want to use, use his legs to, to extend plays a lot of times, um, uh, though he did in one where he hit Darren Waller for one of the big plays on that drive I'm referring to. Um, but overall, he doesn't. Um, and I just think you need, you need to make a point. You need to have some sort of spark where somebody is going to – I'm not saying he's not trying. I don't want to put that out there. It's just it needs to be different, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know how to say it other, any other way. So uh, just on that, then the spark term, I get it. I know exactly what you're looking for. Hey, even if it's this week, you're not looking to win the next five games. You're looking to win Thursday against Dallas. Absolutely. So uh, is there a longer term idea behind this, or is that a, hey, a wait and see if they did switch and Mariota's great, then you then you go forward? I've, I, you know what? It, it, this is where I'm conflicted. Because when Derek Carr has his accuracy on point, he's one of the damn best quarterbacks in the league, and he showcased that most notably probably back in the Philadelphia game. Um, uh, but, but part of this offense that Gruden created were you're going to have opportunities as a quarterback to extend the play with your legs. You're going to have opportunities to run. Rich Gannon capitalized on it. Man, Rich Gannon had an MVP year you know, when, when I was playing with them um, in, in a lot of you know, formidable years. And Derek Carr has gone over 3,000 yards, what, is it 
the seventh or eighth time in his career this season already. I'm not saying he's not capable, but I do think that you need to see two things. If you're going to make the second commitment to a franchise quarterback, what you would do have to, to keep Derek Carr, um, you just need to see what you have in the bank. There's no reason for you to, 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 to go out there and get a guy like Marcus Mariota, pay him the money that you paid him to have him just sit on the bench. See what he can do. If anything, you create trade value. If you showcase his talents, you create trade value. There are plenty of teams out there that would like to have a quarterback. You know, hey, maybe you could trade, you know, like Miami is looking for a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Because you heard all about everything with Deshaun Watson and his legal troubles, how they kind of got away from that deal. There are teams that are looking for quarterbacks. There's no doubt in my mind that the quarterback could play, and you could probably get trade value to increase, you know, sort of your draft capital or whatever, however you want to do it. But you got to see what you have. And for – and and my my feeling right now, as we sit here and talking about this interview, during this interview, if you're Rich Basaccia, if you're Greg Olson, if you're this staff, your job is depending on turning the season around. We've had so much of the November slides over the last three four years. November has not been a good month for the Raiders, notoriously. You've got to turn it around, and you're going to have a nationally televised game. We're playing against the Cowboys. I'm not saying that this is going forward, that this is going to be your plan. But at least for this game, you need to find a way to win. Mm. You need to do everything to win. So there's nothing that you can't, you know, uncover or take out. Um, it, this would be, to me, this would be one of those times where you really try to showcase everything that you have on the team. So back to your playing days, Lincoln. I mean, Carr's pretty much been the franchise guy. If that move yes. is made, how's that hit inside that locker room? Well, I mean, I think I, for the most part, because Frank, because Derek's such a tremendous leader, I know they're going to stand by him. It's a very young team. They're not going to sit there and say, "Oh, well, you got to get rid of him," or, or you know, "Let's go with it." They're they're not going to do that. And on the other side, for what it's worth, as much as I'm crying for Marcus Mariota, the times he's got in there and he's done something, he's got injured. He can't stay healthy. I mean, he had one run for what thirty something yards on, on and earlier in the season, and then he was out for three weeks. <laughs> you know, so I'm saying he's got to find a way to stay healthy. So he has to do his part, but. You know, the the guys won't turn against Derek. They're going to support Derek. This is a, this is to me is a coaching decision, and it's a coaching decision from the standpoint to where I'm not saying that Derek, you're sitting down, but I'm going to have a package that doesn't just start on fourth down or third down or third and short a short yard package. I'm going to have a package where I have Marcus Mariota go and play, and and I'm just going to see what it what it does with the offense. Right now, the offense is extremely predictable. And it has been the second half of the season every year that I've covered the team. And Gruden is no longer called to plays. And I understand there, there are other facets. It wasn't just the play calling that comes into view. It's the bonehead penalties that, that this team is committing. And there was only one penalty I didn't agree with in this past game against the Bengals, and that was against Faison uh, when he, they said he had uh, um, the unnecessary roughness, uh, the hitting with his helmet, the crown of his head. I didn't agree with that one. That's the only one. But – you know, for for guys like you know, um, Ngakwe to push down Joe Burrow after he releases the ball, mm-hmm. that extended a drive, that created points. Those are those are dumb penalties that they have to stop doing. So that's not anything on indicative of Derek Carr. That's a discipline issue. That comes from the higher ups. But I just feel because I like Rich Passaccia, I like this dynamic that they have within the organization right now, where Greg Olson coaches his guys, the offensive guys. And, and, and Gus Bradley coaches, coaches the defensive guys, and, and, and Basaccia manages the special teams. I like that dynamic right now. I think that can work. They just have to find a way to win football games. Mm. 
I know one way that would help them is the run game, but you've said for weeks it's just not an effective run. I mean, they, they run. They run some. They just, they're not an effective run team. That no. would help Carr or Mariota. No, and, and without the, the, uh, with the absence of Alec Ingold, that's really going to hurt because this style of running game, in order to be completely successful, is a two-back power running game. It needs a fullback. Now, they've signed Sutton Smith. Um, but he's a little bit young and inexperienced, and he hasn't. And, and I don't know where he's at as far as on the depth chart. But no, you need a you need an impact running back, a fullback, in order to open up some of those holes. Because I still believe the best runs for the Raiders are straight downhill. I don't believe in stretch plays with this team. This is not a stretch team. This is not a perimeter running team. This is right downhill right now. Isolate, uh, you know, back on the middle backer or whatever it is, and 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 hit your head on the goalpost. That's the way you have to go with this team. So we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy has that uh, that idea of a spark, maybe moving something, doing something different with Carr, going with Mariota. And the thing too, Lincoln, it's it's it feels like it's in a bad way right now. This if they lose Thursday against the Cowboys, would be the first time they dip below five hundred. But it, it also feels like they're in that swing, like they can still save this. I mean, they're not buried, but they can't seem to find their way right now. A lot of these games end up being the same. Even Sunday against the Bengals, it was a one score game with ten minutes to go, and then they just fizzled and 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 had no chance to win. So. They're close, but they're also far enough that they're not winning these games. Yeah, the, the the thing is is that they've been able to move the ball between the 20s at times, just haven't been able to get in the end zone and make touchdowns. And I think I don't know if that, that's a fall-off from not having Gruden calling the players or whatever. There, there was a nice swing when they played the Broncos. They had a nice rhythm to the offense, mm-hmm. the way they were doing things when they played the Broncos, and they were able to put up points. And we know this team is capable of putting up points. I just think that there are times where you have to, in this instance, you have to make a change because as I watch Derek Carr go out there and go through his plays, there are times where he's just not on the same page as his receivers when earlier in the season he was. You know, whether it's, it, you know, in this past game in Cincinnati, I, I, I'm sure you can recall, there were a couple games, well, a couple times where they had backs coming out of the backfield, and he just couldn't connect with them. Yeah. And that's not indicative of Derek Carr. He's normally easy with that. Um, he, as the game progressed, he got down, but there was missed opportunities. And the thing about the National Football League, especially on offense, you can ill avoid to, you can ill have non you know, uh, contribution possessions, if that makes sense. If you can't get points on possessions, like in Kansas City, the game was close through three quarters, and then they lost it due to turnovers and other miscues. But you cannot have miscues on possessions because possessions are important. And I'm not just talking to bonehead penalties that the offensive linemen or people have done uh, throughout the, the game, but you've you got to score on possessions. You've got to take advantage of possessions. The Bengals did that. The, obviously, the, the, uh, the Chiefs did it the week before. And then one of the reasons why they're in this three-game slide, even going against the inept Giants, is because of turnovers, bonehead penalties, and not taking full advantage of possessions. Yeah, Dallas is uh, the opponent on Thanksgiving and – um, I thought they would play better against the Chiefs, to be honest. Right. Uh, yeah, obviously, Amari Cooper was out. C.D. Lamb got hurt. But uh, Chiefs are playing better. Cowboys didn't hit their stride. This, this What do you think matchup-wise, uh, just across the board, Cowboys versus Raiders? I think the injuries for the Cowboys are starting to pile up both, on both sides of the ball. Um, but they're still, I think, a very physical team, and they have the ability to be physical, especially with the run game. Um, and it's going to be a true test for, for the Raiders because one of the things that especially saw in this past game, um, the Raiders on the exterior, the, the, the perimeter side, struggle to defend against the run. The Cowboys have the ability to, to take advantage of that. Um, I think the Raiders did a good job, especially up the middle, um, as in the early part of the game. So they, they 
sort of faltered in the late part of games, like, which is natural, but, you know, to stop the, uh, the, the, the inside runs. But the, the perimeter runs are something I, I worry about with the Cowboys uh, versus the Cowboys, as well as their potential to get things started if their receivers are somewhat healthy. I know they're banged up right now, but they do have a, a receiving core. And, and look, you know, I'm hoping that Gus Bradley is, is probably listening to this interview. <laughs> Take notice because, you know, the middle of the field for the Raiders' defense is wide open. Mm-hmm. And the formula for success against this defense always has been short passes. I throw everything 10 yards and under and run after the catch. That's how I make my, that's how I make my, my, my money. And that's what teams have done. That's what teams have done over the last couple of weeks. The Chiefs started it, and they were very prolific at it, the way they did it. I mean, Patrick Holmes threw for about, I think, 50 attempts, but more than 40 of them were underneath 10 yards. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't have to go there. It was yards after the catch. Joe Burrow, when they didn't try to get too fancy – and Cincinnati, they did the exact same thing. They were throwing underneath routes. They were throwing, you know, crossing routes. They were throwing, you know, little stop routes and stuff like that, getting yards after the catch, you know, moving the chains, winning the time of possession. So if the Cowboys have the the uh, capacity to, to do that, and I know they've taken notice. I'm hoping to find the Raiders find a way to, to, to defend against it because that's going to be the Achilles heel against this defense. So, Lincoln, as a player, you are at the mercy of the schedule. Same as a broadcaster. It's Thanksgiving. You're going to – is there a Kennedy Thanksgiving tradition that you're missing out? How are you guys kind of adjusting to to still take care of the holiday? You know, but it, ever since I started playing this game and 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 even being a broadcaster, I, I've told my kids, and I'm a single father of three. I've told my kids, I'm like, when it comes to fall holidays, you got to count Daddy out. <laughs> you got to you got to go with your mom because you know I can't. You know, I'm at the as you mentioned, I'm at the mercy of the of the of the schedule. So there, there's no Thanksgiving this year for the Kennedy household. You know, they're going to see their mother and I'm going to be on the road and it's just going to be like that. But, you know, back in the past when I did have the time, I, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to cook. And, and I, one of the things that I've always done is I've, I've always, especially in Thanksgiving and, and had people over, um, is cook two of everything. So there's <laughs> there's two main meat dishes. There'll be, you know, traditional turkey and probably there's something, a, a beef or pork or you know, other than ham, uh, the two types of ham, you know, two types of stuffing, all that stuff. I used to do it up. Uh, and I, I fed some baby, pretty big groups back in my day. But, you know, these days it's just not happening. So if you got, you know, they selected you to go on a cooking show and you had to cook that one thing for Thanksgiving, what would you trust that would be uh, received very well by judges or by taste taste testers? Something that would be different. I don't know if it would be received because everyone's kind of picky about it, but I make a, a mean uh, seafood stuffing. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big seafood fan. So nice. if you like things like bay shrimp and scallops and stuff like that and, and, and even oysters, uh, if you can think about that with a breading stuffing, sort of a sourdough, uh, uh, dark uh, wheat mix bread stuffing. Um, that's that's one of my favorites. Well, you started, I was thinking about the beginning of the interview, going back to that, I have this visual of you on a Thanksgiving day with just staring at Mary J. Blige while uh, oh, yeah. at that time. Well, at that turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Papa and at that time, Flores are throwing down to you yeah. and you're just, you're not saying anything because yeah. you're just, you're I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a little, I'm a little distracted because Mary <laughs> J, at that, that Thanksgiving day, she was wearing some jeans and they, they were very fitting. <laughs> mm. Reminisce, reminisce right there. Um, all right. Story. How about, uh, congratulations to Lincoln. How about this? Pac-12 Hall of Honor. I know oh, you wouldn't yeah. brag about it. We're going to brag for you. Um, <laughs> you, I mean, obviously had a legendary career at Washington and professional career, but 
you know, you've had accolades before. But what does something like that mean to you? It's a historied uh, conference. You come from a great program. And what does that mean to be in the Pac-12 Hall of Honor? Well, I mean, it, it, it really is a tremendous honor, and, and I'm so thankful for it. And when you talk about some of the greats that have come through the conference, um, guys that I'm friends with like Marco Salin or Ron Mix out of SC, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Troy Aikman out of UCLA. I mean, the list goes on and on. We're just talking, throwing off guys that come off the top of my head. It really is a tremendous honor to be able, to be honored as a part of them, um, and I'm thankful for it. I really am thankful for my time at Washington. I'm thankful for the, what University of Washington gave to me, other than education, the experiences, especially, and more most thankful for Don James, may he rest in peace, because he was a, the, the the host, the engineer that this sort of led it my time when I was there at, at UW. So it, it's a tremendous honor, um, and uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm humbled about it, um, and you know I. I'm not one who tries to draw shine in any way you know me better than that. So yeah. thank you very much for, for, for mentioning it. Well, let's ask about your school. Friday, Apple Cup, you've been in those. Those are fun, the oh, rivalry gosh. game. How are, you, uh, how are you spending <laughs> that one? Are you watching as a fan? Can you watch? Do you watch as a critic? Like, How, how do you take in when you're uh, going against your rival and you're watching Washington play? Last week I did CU versus UW in Boulder, and mm. I think Washington had almost 450, over 450 yards total offense. Could not find a way to win. Versus, and, and Colorado had half of it. But the turnovers, the inept play, it was just so disheartening. And, you know, one of the things I try to do as a broadcaster is to be impartial. Even though I have affinity towards, you know, obviously alumni of UW and, and, and then with the Raiders, and I call their games, I try to be impartial. I try to be straight down the, 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 the cusp. It was difficult. It was difficult to watch. So long story short, to answer your question, I have no draw to the Apple Cup. And I know that Washington has won probably the last several times. I wouldn't be surprised if Wazoo beats them because it's the, the program is in such a disarray. Um, I love Jen Cohen, the athletic director. I love a lot of the regents. I have personal friendships with them. I hope we find a way to get it right with the coaching future. But right now this team is in just total disarray. I don't, I don't really know what to make of this weekend's game. So I don't know if I'm going to watch. I'll probably turn it on because <laughs> it'll be Friday. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I'll probably turn it on. I just don't know how into it I'm going to get, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I, while we were talking, I looked up uh, the scheduled halftime show for the Thanksgiving game with the Raiders and uh, Cowboys, you won't be distracted. It's not Mary J. I think it's uh, Luke Combs. So I think you'll. Oh be- yeah, no, I won't be distracted. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get a hot dog in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Lincoln, have a great broadcast, a good Thanksgiving, and we look forward to talking to you next week. To you and all your listeners, I wish everybody a very safe, happy holiday. No matter where you're going, no matter how you get there, please be responsible. Please be safe and enjoy yourself. Well said. Thank you, Lincoln. Thanks, Ben. I'll talk to you later. Lincoln Kennedy joining us here. On the show, we always appreciate, like we said, our weekly visits with him. Um, surprised me a little bit with his opening thought on Derek Carr. Raiders needing a spark. That would be his suggestion is look at something else. I, I'm I'm really surprised because I still feel like when you cut the Raiders roster down to its core, the strength right now is Derek Carr. And Lincoln's right to an extent. When he plays well, they do well, but he hasn't been playing as well. And if it's just as much as... Hey, just to see something else. I just wonder long-term if they were to do that, what that would mean to him, what that mean to the team. Because if you do that and you fall short, then what, you just go back to Carr? Or if you do that and you completely change and go to Mariota and have success, then you're moving on from Carr, which, you know, I'm not saying is something they shouldn't do. But it almost feels like a few years ago when the Giants um, 
were in a situation where Eli Manning had that quarterback streak, and then they ultimately took him out for a week because they felt they needed something else, and it just didn't work at all. Um, but, you know, the Raiders are in that spot, in that kind of fragile zone where they're 5-5. Five and five. They're not a bad team. They're not necessarily a great team. They're not playing well right now. And playing tomorrow against the Cowboys, a uh, really difficult matchup just based on how Dallas has played, how many points they generally have been scoring. And I know they haven't been playing or didn't play their best last week and have some a few people out. But the Raiders have to find it again, and they really do. And hopefully it can be as quickly as tomorrow. And if, if it's not against the Cowboys, now you're going completely the wrong direction. The rest of the division, you do have the Chargers and Broncos playing each other, but the Chiefs seem to have figured it out. You're just getting farther and farther behind. And then the AFC each week has just been flip your coin on who's good. Every time we get an opinion on someone we think is good, our opinion changes. And right now the teams that are playing the best in the AFC are the Chiefs and the Patriots. So the Patriots, though, have a tough game with the Titans. It's a really difficult week. And we're going to talk more about that coming up in uh, our next segment when Chris Landry will join us here at the top of the hour for his weekly visit from LandryFootball.com. We'll get into the NFL weekend, the Thanksgiving slate, and certainly the college football rankings, which have changed yet again. Cincinnati is in there, but the huge game with Michigan and Ohio State. We'll get into all that uh, coming up. Do want to jump back into a few more things uh, Kings-related, because, of course, Kings basketball is coming your way. It is the Kings and the Blazers tonight. Again, game night, 5.30. Uh, pre-game will begin at 6.30, and then the G-Man will have the play-by-play of the Kings and the Blazers. I did have a few people ask me today, you know, what do you expect? Do you think the Kings can win tonight? I, I really don't know. And that's a frustrating probably spot for the organization to be in. And I will say this, obviously my predictions aren't always correct, but it's not even about a prediction. It's what will the Kings look like? And I think too many times in the last handful of games, there's been that uncertainty as to what you're going to see. And, and I think it, it, a coach or a player We've talked about defining roles, and when Katie was in here yesterday, we talked about that, whether that's needed or necessary. But I think what you really want as a team is a pretty good idea of what you're going to see from your team. And right now, we're not. And that's not just because they're losing. That's also because there's been lineup changes, a coach change, a coaching change. But the consistency in the body language has been disappointing. Because even in some of these losses, let's go to the Philly game. There were stretches of the game where I thought the Kings were doing things the way you would want. Now, the fourth quarter wasn't that way. Um, The game that I keep referencing the most is the Toronto game. That's after Tristan Thompson's passion speech, uh, a brutal road trip, um, a brutal road trip. And you come home, here's Toronto, okay, a team that, all right, they're okay. I mean, they're just okay. And the Kings came out right away, and you could just sense it. It's palpable. The feeling in the building was like, man, Kings are aggressive. They're in the passing lanes. They're at every 50-50 ball they were getting. They had an early lead, not by a lot. But then about by the end of the first quarter, they were down. Uh, The second quarter, I think, started with that 17-to-1 run. And at halftime, you're down 18. And then the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, it's up to 30. And they wilted. And that's my point is... That wasn't a run. That was a team falling apart. So you don't want to see that. You've got a new coach. You've changed the coach. The players can't be changed overnight. Over time, they can be. So it's about finding back to the the core of what you do well, your own personal desires, your hate to lose has to show up tonight. I mean, the, the feeling that they've had here, they have to be disgusted by it. 
and do whatever you can to avoid it. That's my thought is do whatever you can to avoid that bad feeling you have when you leave the floor and you enter the locker room or share your post-game thoughts with the media. You just want to try to avoid those same senses and same feelings that they've been having, unfortunately, far too much. All right, we will have more Kings discussion, certainly with game night and with us on the pregame. But when we come back, more of the football, more football week with Chris Landry, his weekly visit, LandryFootball.com. He will join us when we come back here on Sports 1140, KHTK.